Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We are in the mood for fantasy football. We are Pro Football Network. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. With me as always, the inimitable Tommy Garrett. You can reach me on Twitter at BJ Rudell. You can reach Tommy at Tommy Garrett PFN. This is our injury report. There's a couple serious injuries with major fantasy uh, ramifications. One of them clearly the biggest story. And then a few others that are, of course, important to uh, those players and their families and their teammates, coaches, and those who are rostering them. But we're going to focus a lot of today's episode on two guys. One of them, Aaron Jones, MCL sprain. Reports are that he could miss one to two weeks. I will give a shout out to Tommy that this morning on our Slack channel, uh, there were some questions about how many weeks Aaron Jones could be out. And Tommy, what did you do? You pulled out a, an old nugget from 2017. Yeah, I mean, it's just the fact that this is not the first time that Aaron Jones has suffered an MCL sprain. Uh, and during the other time that happened, it cost him two games. A couple of the times it happened was at the end of the season, so we really didn't miss too much. But overall, it got we got really lucky on this one because uh, most injuries to running back so far this year have tended either to be season ending or potentially career altering uh we've seen in some format so to see one of the best running backs in the nfl escape what could have been a very serious injury because just the way his whole leg kind of twisted while his foot was planted it just puts a lot of strain on a lot of things you don't want a lot of strain on that's me putting on my my doctor hat um so it, it does suck but like i said at least at least we're not going to lose him because it would have put him on the ir their bye week falls during that time frame so it would just cost him an extra week uh over right. this over this time span so you have Aaron Jones, your season's not over. You should get him back within one to two weeks, assuming that his rehab and everything goes well. I would plan for the two, uh, and then hopefully by the time he does come back within you know a couple weeks, you'll you'll have a a competent you know top six running back in fantasy football. Once again, um, now the next two games are against the Vikings and the Rams. If he yes. comes back in two weeks, he gets a pretty tough matchup with the Rams or. They can hold him out for two weeks and then go to the bye. Um, do you think there should be any concern from fantasy managers that they're going to be without Aaron Jones, including the bye, for the next three weeks? If I had Aaron Jones, I would assume getting him back week 14. Anything before that, you're happy. Um, right. But they're trying to play for the playoffs, the Green Bay Packers, and you have A.J. Dillon, who you drafted early on, uh, last year out of uh, Boston College, you know you can get by with him, and especially when you have someone like Aaron Rodgers under center with Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and everyone else. Um, so you can get by without Aaron Jones. Obviously, this is not going to be as great of a offense as it would be with him, but this defense right now is doing 
some incredible things on the field, but you're pitching shutouts, which you never see happen in the NFL, especially against you know an MVP candidate in Russell Wilson. Uh, yeah. So they're going to keep this team in games where, you know what, they'll be okay without uh, Aaron Jones on the field. So if it was me, I would plan uh, to get him back week 14 because you wouldn't have – there's no use to rush him back because, uh, quite frankly, I would rather have a fully healthy Aaron Jones and one that goes out there a week early because they're trying to rush him out there, he gets re-injured, and you lose him for the entire fantasy season. So if I get right. him back in week 14 for the fantasy playoffs, I'm good with that. Okay, so I want to attack this three different ways in the, the, for the next few minutes. And first of all, Russell Wilson, that Tommy just alluded to, getting shut out. First time in his career in 150 starts that he's been shut out. It was only the fourth time that he I, – I, last night I tweeted third time, but I found a fourth. Fourth time that he's had zero touchdowns and at least two interceptions. So this was a, an historically tough game. Uh, uh, for Seattle. We're not going to talk about Seattle, although this is the injury report and Russell Wilson did not look 100%, but we can talk about that later. Right now, Aaron Jones, first question, and and we can talk this through, is maybe the first question has to be A.J. Dillon. I I am very high on A.J. Dillon. We've talked about this uh, before the show. Um, uh, And my two cents on A.J. Dillon, I drafted three handcuffs this year. I drafted Dylan Pollard and Alexander Madison. Those were my three told every reader draft them starting in the seventh, eighth round, get all three at once, just lock them in because you never know. You could have an RB one, one week, an RB one the next week and you're rolling. And this is one of those cases where you hate to see an injury and AJ Dylan, I feel like deserves the chance. So I think he's going to be a locked in RB one. What do you tell people right now who are listening, who have AJ Dylan? Can they rely on him to do the same kind of stuff Aaron Jones was doing? Or is is the verdict still out on whether Dylan can be that level of a bell cow? He's definitely got the body for it. I mean, it's every time a picture came out with him, it was just quad season all over the internet. Uh, so he's definitely, he's got the frame to do it. Um, and he, he's got the pedigree. We saw him put up some incredible performances, incredible seasons at Boston College. And so far in the NFL, when he's gotten a workload, he's done really well. And he's actually pretty good when he gets a uh, decent usage. In the games where he's seen at least 15 or more carries, he's seen at least 80 yards per game. Um, so I think you've got some good traction you can get out of A.J. Dillon. Um, I don't think he's as good as Aaron Jones. Uh, I just think they also have just different skill sets. Um, is it the passing game? Is that one area where Dylan? I think, yeah, Aaron Jones, arguably one of the better, he's like a top five passing down back in the NFL. And he gets utilized so heavily now with, with fancy football moving so more towards full PPR, like where I think the, the, the middle ground should be like half PPR, if we're honest. Uh, but with so many leagues playing in full PPR scoring, like that's where Aaron Jones gets so much of his value. Um, AJ Dillon can sit here and rack off these incredible runs. Um, and he's going to get the broken tackles. But the thing is, is he going to be able to generate the same amount of like, you know, yards per rush when Aaron Jones is just so efficient when Mm. the offense line isn't playing as good? So if we don't get that same efficiency in bad situations out of A.J. Dillon, then I think you're going to see a drop off. But I mean, it's he's going to be an RB2 at the low end. Like you're starting A.J. Dillon any chance you have. Um, I, so, and I'm more bullish about Dylan. I do think he'll be a locked in RB one. Um, yeah. uh, and, and I do think the touchdowns, I think he's going to be racking up touchdowns near the goal line. I think uh, the team trusts him when he fumbled it. What was it? Uh, Halloween or was it the week before 
where he had that costly fumble late in the game. Yeah, yeah. And I I remember thinking like that's it. It was the week before. It was yeah, on the it was against just, Washington. And I think he even lost another one, but they got it back. And it just it was it mm-hmm. was one of those cases where I just thought, well, this is a low point for Dylan. Like he's yeah. but they but it was kind of like when uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire fumbled it in like game three this season. They went right back to Dylan. Like the next game, he's back there doing what he does. And I thought that showed a lot about Dylan. It showed a lot about what the team thinks of him. I I do think Dylan is. I think he was a second round pick last year. It's still and and we could we could debate this absolutely. Yeah, I was confused, I was confused about the Packers signing Jones when they had Dylan. I understand the value of the one two punch. I I also didn't understand with with this team looking to win a Super Bowl. Did they need these two backs together? And I think what we might see right now is either either Jones is clearly the lead back and going into next season, Jones is the lead back, or it's possible that Dylan rises to the occasion, although it's going to be very hard to rise to the occasion, especially against the Rams um, and, and demonstrates that he can be the bell cow on this team. Uh, I I think you bring, you bring up an interesting point when it comes to them re-signing Aaron Jones, but when they did that, they didn't know they were going to have Aaron Rodgers back. So at that point you're thinking, okay, we need to get all the assets possible in case Jordan Love is our starter. And not just this year, but moving forward. Very so good if you don't think you're going to have Aaron Aaron Rodgers on your team, then you need to then surround whoever the quarterback may be, whether it's Jordan Love or someone else. You need to get them as much, as many playmakers as possible because you might also see Devontae Adams walk out the door as well. So right. I think that's where the upside of keeping both running backs is there, where you can use them in different formations. You can, you can split Aaron Jones out wide, keep A.J. Dillon in the backfield, or you do have this one-two punch at the running back position for whoever is going to be under center. Yeah, that's an excellent point. That kind of perspective is key because at, at the time, I think I blurred it all together. Uh, it was kind of a, wait, what are they doing now? Yeah. Uh, but you're right. This was a case of if Rodgers walks, they still have, they would basically be the Browns without the as good an offense of an offensive line, but it would still be this idea of they could just run the heck out of it. Like they did against uh, Arizona where Aaron Jones and, and, uh, and AJ Dillon combined for 38 touches. And they mm-hmm. just, I think they had like 41 minutes time of possession on offense. Like they could do that because Arizona couldn't stop them. Um, so to your point, that is a key to victory. And I, I, I appreciate you reminding me of my, flaws today tommy um so the second part of this three-part question now that we've we've finalized our thinking uh, aj dylan uh, tommy says definitely an rb2 i'm I mean, saying it's, it's at least an rb2 like you're starting RB2. him no matter what yeah whether you're no matter what. an rb1 a uh, top 12 top 15 like you're starting him and i think he's going to be a locked in rb1 no questions asked he's going to dominate um and there's a little bias in there because he is on my team, but understand there's a, there's a lot of objectivity to that. I feel very confident in A.J. Dillon. Second question, Aaron Jones comes back. Let's say it's not until week 14. Let's say A.J. Dillon's been lighting it up. What kind of environment does he come back to? I mean, is this, we've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire coming back maybe this week with Daryl Williams just looking like, you know, a, an RB1 at times. Uh, you've got other situations of running backs coming back saying, Hey, what I miss. And it's like, <laughs> we're doing just fine without you. So what happens? Does Aaron Jones, do you feel very confident as you're speaking right now to fantasy managers around the world who have Aaron Jones? Is there no doubt about it? Is he a David Montgomery in the sense that it doesn't matter how well Khalil Herbert played David Montgomery was coming back to be the number one. 
I think he comes back to be the number one. Uh, even if it is a little bit more of a split, like a 65-35 or a 70-30, whatever, I think he'll be fine. Um, even in the game like you just talked about, when we bring Arizona and A.J. Dillon had a ton of carries in that game as well. Like Aaron Jones was still productive because he gets the work in the passing game. Like They offset his rushing with they brought him in and they targeted him 11 times. Uh, Grant, like I said, this was obviously a weird game because, they, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. But, I mean, it's – um, yeah, I got no issue with with Aaron Jones keeping him this year. I think he'll Good. be just fine. What about uh, backup for the next one to two weeks? Patrick Taylor right now is the backup. Last year they had uh, uh, Tyler Irvin, was it? Uh, Kylan Hill got knocked out for the year. Earlier this year he was their number three, was doing mop-up duty late in games. Uh, is there any reason in deep leagues right now to pick up someone like a Patrick Taylor for one to two weeks, or are they just wasting a, ro- a roster spot right now on someone who probably will not be involved in any way close to the way Dylan was involved when Jones was on the field? Yeah, it's not something I'd be going for. If you're in a 16 person league, I mean, look, 16 per 16 team leagues are brutal. There's no one out there in waivers. If you want to take a shot on him, fine. Uh, just because he would be the the number two in this backfield, but, it's a one to two week rental where I don't think he's going to get a lot of run. And if you are in those high leverage situations, that's still going to be um, AJ Dillon, whether that is only him on the field until they get back Aaron Jones. Yeah. I'm with you on that. If they were playing a team with a bottom five defense in week yeah. thir- week 12, let's say, then if you, if the advantage of taking someone like Taylor is that if Dylan goes down in week 11, then you've got someone who can get a lot of run in week 12. Or if game script calls for some mop-up duty, Taylor comes in. But against the Rams, there's not much hope that Taylor is going to have an impact, even if he happens to be the starter. They'll bring someone else in, probably a veteran, and it's going to be a split back and a bad matchup. So it's it's uh, it's a tough thing all around. Uh, good. Uh, let us take a quick break. Uh, we have a, a pretty major story. And by the time you're hearing this podcast, and we're recording this at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time, uh, but this is news that just hit about 15 minutes ago. We will get to that uh, in just a moment. Uh, but first, uh, I'd love to tell you about today's sponsor of In The Mood, and that is X Chair. X Chair, I am sitting on an X Chair right now, as I do throughout my workday, as I'm researching stats, as I'm writing columns, uh, as I'm uh, slacking with Tommy about uh, things that I think I know about, and then Tommy corrects me and says, you forgot about this. And I go, oh, right. Okay. Uh, I before E except after C and all those rules that Tommy has at his disposal. Uh, this X chair gets me through the day. Um, if you want to get an X chair, go to xchairpfn.com now. That's the letter X, chair pfn.com or call 1-844-4-CHAIR for $100 off your order. X-Chair has a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. xchairpfn.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back to In the Mood with Tommy Garrett. And we're going to talk about Cordero Patterson. Uh, and we are grateful to you, Tom uh, Pelissero, uh, broke the news uh, that, uh, and he is with uh, NFL Network. 
and host of a, a serious XFL, uh, a serious uh, uh, podcast as well. And he said that uh, things could be a little bit tough for Patterson, that he could miss a couple weeks this season for a sprained ankle. That is uh, rough news, especially for fantasy managers who struck gold, most of them in week one or week two of the waiver wires this season. Patterson was uh, basically a non-top 100 running back uh, in, in the preseason. It was off essentially everyone's radar. Uh, Wayne Gallman was seen as the backup uh, to the new starter, Mike Davis. Uh, and Patterson pretty much has not had any bad games until this past week. And it looked like, well, it was a blowout loss to Dallas. He didn't have a chance, but he's only one of two playmakers. He and Kyle Pitts with Calvin Ridley uh, offer personal <laughs> reasons. So this really changes the complexion of a team that actually, very strangely, was in the playoff hunt going into this game. Um because the NFL makes no sense. Yes, because the NFL makes no sense. And I, I look at uh, last week, I was looking at the Falcons record and the Panthers record. And I'm going, how is this possible um, uh, that they're still in it uh, yep. with all the adversity they've faced? Uh, but but Atlanta's in trouble. And if Patterson misses a couple weeks, let's talk about the fantasy ramifications of this. Clearly, those who have Patterson have nothing to do but just wait. And this is not a serious enough injury where people should be concerned when he comes back that somehow he's going to be limited. We know what he can do with 12 touches. He can do more than some can do with 24. But the issue now becomes Mike Davis, Wayne Gallman. We saw Gallman get 15 carries. Um, He was the backup to Saquon Barkley, who did a bunch of spot starts last year. Um, Giants uh, got rid of him, brought in Devontae Booker, but Gallman still has that pedigree as someone who knows how to be an every down back. And yep. Mike Davis looks like he's flailing out there. So is it accurate to say that Wayne Gallman is one of the biggest waiver ads given the news that happened with Patterson? Or is this is this a case where he's getting you 50 carries for 60 yards and one catch and you're going, what did I just do? Um, it's The thing is, like, Cordell Patterson has been such a, just a shining light in what has been a horrible, like, if you've been trying to build your team off waivers this year, it sucked. Um, we discussed this earlier in the year where it's like a lot of teams when they entered like, you know, like week eight, week nine or whatever, they look pretty similar to the team you drafted, which normally is not the case. Like a lot of times, like your team looks completely different. We always say like, you don't win your your league at the draft because you have to be able to manage your roster. But this year there haven't been that many great players that have like helped redefine a team's path. Um, like Cordell Patterson. Cause I think on the season right now, he's averaging, even with his bad game last week, we only had 4.9 points. He's still averaging 19.8 points per game in PPR scoring, which is incredible for a guy who is only averaging like 9.6 rushing attempts per game, but he's getting it done in the passing game uh, because he's averaging, you know, 6.3 targets because there's not many other options in Atlanta. Um, I think Wayne Gallman, like I said, we saw him be a solid productive running back last year behind Saquon Barkley after his injury. It's I feel like this is going to be a little bit of a messy just committee with him and Mike Davis because they're kind of going to run the same style of plays. Uh, whereas with Patterson and, and uh, with Mike Davis, you had very different skill sets they could take advantage of. I'm just worried this com- just becomes messy. Um, like yeah. I could see adding him just in case this is a, a longer injury than maybe some people are thinking. Like the like I said, we know he's going to probably be out Thursday night because that's the the downside of having a short week and a short schedule. Um, if it lingers on any further, we'll have to see. Uh, if you think it might, then yeah, Wayne Gallman becomes an interesting addition. 
Um, just don't expect the same upside that you would get with uh, Cordell Patterson, obviously. Yeah. And I remember drafting Mike Davis in the uh, fifth round of my 14 team league. And I, I yeah. resented myself. This is, this is uh, no knock on the player. We always talk about fantasy here, not the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I had Mike Davis last year and was thrilled uh, with what he was able to do. Uh, oh, everyone was. Yeah. For Christian McCaffrey. And I just, I looked at Atlanta's team and I just thought, I, I don't think I want Mike Davis as my number two running back. But mm-hmm. I, I looked around at who was available and I just thought, but I think I need to get a second running back. And it was it was a mistake, even even though Mike Davis was able to parlay receptions into, you know, RB2 slash RB3 production for the first yeah. six, seven weeks of the season. He was always kind of that the the efficiency issues were always there. Like at some point he was getting to get you three points in fantasy. Um, and I didn't want to be around when, when that happened. So I only have four guys left of the 16 I drafted and Mike Davis has had the inauspicious uh, uh, role on my team. If I drafted him and then I traded him away and then I traded back for him in a package deal. And then I traded him away again. So, uh, uh, he, he's seen my team twice and he's helped me out, but he's not someone you want to lean on. It's not the quarter yeah. Patterson's loss as though is Mike Davis's gain. It looks like Wayne Gallman is going to be the guy. Um, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if someone like Hayden Hurst, for example, uh, steps up and plays a bigger role. Uh, certainly Kyle Pitts is the only guy worth starting now on that team on a weekly basis, but you got to figure somebody else has to step up on this team. It can't just be, uh, you know, what we saw against Dallas. That's not the only thing this team can offer. Surely whether it's TJ Sharp or or Hurst or somebody. So it's, it's, does anyone jump out at you or do you feel like this is just a lost cause for the next couple of weeks? Yeah, it's not something I'm looking forward to starting. Like I said, I, I feel we had the the locked in stars. Like at this point, like for as crazy as fantasy season has been, like at least we're kind of starting to figure out at least who to start in most weeks. Uh, Patterson and uh, Kyle Pitts, pretty much the only guys. I mean, even someone who I really liked, you know, in years past with Russell Gage, who should have seen, a really an elevated uh, target share this year, especially what's going on with Calvin Ridley. Like he's not seeing that right now. It's so, yeah, I think for me personally, I'll probably, I'm just staying away unless I have Kyle Pitts on my roster. That's probably the only person I feel secure in starting. Um, do you think there's, do you, let me just interrupt you. Do you think there's something mm-hmm. to the, uh, when you get a number three receiver playing like a number one, something to the whole, you know, the, the opposing cornerback, number one cornerback shadowing them, the idea of like, is there any truth to that, or is that all huge? The NFL is all about matchups, whether that's taking place on the perimeter or whether in the trenches. Like the NFL is always about matchups. Um, and any, the more times you can win that matchup wherever you are, you're eliminating that player from the chessboard. Um, do you think Gage so, yeah, is think, a victim of being the number that? one? Do you think Gage is, is a victim of being the number one receiver? Yeah, that it's certainly not helping. One? Um, I mean, anytime you're going up against like incredible players, like it was last week with Diggs, I mean, it's, you're going to struggle. Um, there's a reason these guys are, they'll find success in some games because they're going up against comparable talents. Um, that number three wide receiver going up against like a slot cornerback or a, uh, you know, a nickel corner or something like that. So it's, you're always going to have these ones where it's okay. If this guy does really well this week, okay. He gets a chance now get elevated on the depth chart and then he struggles. I think part of it does come down just straight to competition. Like, like we're elevating decent talent into lofty expectations where I think sometimes we're kind of missing. Okay. What does this player actually bring to the field? Um, right. And so when you get like, when you get guys that are in just matchups against better players, like 
lot of times that better player is just going to win. Good stuff. I like that analysis. Let's jump to three more players uh, who are hurt to varying degrees. Baker Mayfield, knee contusion, expected to play. Yep. Why don't we just take a moment, uh, because this is the injury report, um, I want to just shift to Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt on the shelf. Dernis Johnson um, comes up big on the road against New England, which is no small feat. I would love yep. to do some research if I had the time of uh, the average running back fantasy point total on the road in New England over the last you know 20 years and see whether or not what uh, what Johnson did is is right up there as one of the best performances. Um, I've, I have this theory that that may be completely off base, but it is a theory. Um, that if Cleveland's season is going down the tubes uh, and they reach a point where they they are out of it, um, what happens to Johnson? Does he just sit on the shelf while Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb play out the season? Or does this become a, a case that's a nightmare for fantasy managers, which is we already see how good Johnson is. I mean, there's now no question about it. What he's done against Denver yeah. and New England is legit. Do you just say... Sorry, Dernest, like we're, we're going back to Chubb and Hunt the rest of the way. Or do you find a way to get him six to eight touches, which could be crushing for a team that, you know, you're relying on Chubb and Hunt to be top 16 running backs? Yeah, I mean, it's I guess it depends on how far out of contention they might fall. Um, if they have a chance for a wild card run or something like that, then I think the Browns are going to do everything they can. And especially if they can play spoiler. Um, these teams love to hate each other in the AFC North. Um, and so anytime you get a chance to ruin someone else's season, they're going to do it. Um, I have a hard time seeing them wanting to sit uh, Nick Chubb or Kareem Hunt for Dearness Johnson. He might pick up a couple extra carries, uh, getting that five to six per game. But, I mean, this is a team that's averaging like like 33 per game. I think they were coming into it. Uh, so, I mean, they've got some room to wiggle at that point. Um, especially might see them try to bring back off Baker Mayfield's um, Baker Mayfield a little bit while he kind of gets healthy. So you see them run a little bit, maybe run a little bit more, but I mean, it's, I just have a hard time seeing them wanting to give Jernis Johnson touches when you have guys who would be starters on virtually every single other team in the NFL. Yep. Yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, I would I would also love to do research on whether or not this Browns team has the widest disparity between uh, average uh, starting running back fantasy output and average starting receiver fantasy output, that there is there is such a huge mm-hmm. gap. I mean, the the top targeted, I think it's the top targeted receiver on Cleveland is Austin Hooper. Um, and I think Jarvis Landry is now one behind, but it was uh, David Njoku, I think, was the leading receiver going into the yep. this week with like 320 yards or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Landry's still sitting number two with 34 targets, but I mean, that's also with him only playing in six games so far this season. Yeah, that's true. But it's, it is it is really, this is one of the m- more odd uh, offensive teams, uh, especially yeah. for a five and five team. By the way, they do, just going forward, they've got the Ravens twice. They're playing mm-hmm. at the Steelers and they've got at the Packers and they've got the Raiders. This is a, this is not it. They get the Lions coming up, but this is a tough down the stretch schedule for a team that had Super Bowl. Well, there's an interesting thing with the Ravens is they play the Ravens in week 12. That's right. Then the Browns have a bye. Then they come back off their bye and play the Ravens again. So they're literally playing the Ravens on back-to-back weeks with essentially three weeks of preparation on them for that second game. It's very true. And they play the Lions, which should be a walkover, but you've got to be thinking 
I mean, this team has to be looking ahead to the, they know if they can knock out the Ravens twice, yep. they're almost in the driver's seat at that point, but that's a, that's a tall order. Um, I think they're two games behind the Ravens. So, you know, then they just have to beat the Steelers at the end, maybe beat the mm-hmm. Bengals. Uh, they don't get the Bengals. Never mind. But uh, it, the point is, it'll be tough for them. <laughs> that's well, they, they have the Bengals in the last game of the season, week 18. That's what it is. They get the Bengals at the end after the Steelers. Thank you. Um, uh, Jermar Jefferson, uh, who's uh, who backed up uh, DeAndre Swift with Jamal Williams out. Jefferson could miss some time with an ankle injury. Uh, Jamal Williams, he was one of my favorite sell high guys about uh, week six, week seven, uh, because he was entirely TD dependent um, and it just wasn't sustainable in a Lions offense. Um, Jamal Williams has, has been the, you know, uh, injured and a bust, even when he's on the field, DeAndre Swift had, I think 33 carries or something ridiculous this past week. I mean, they're literally putting him on their back to see what they can do. And, and they got him a tie, which is, you know, great job Swift. What happens with Jamar Jefferson? Does it matter at all if Jefferson and Jamal Williams are out? Is there any other Detroit running back that anyone should care about? Or basically at this point, is it Swift, TJ Hawkinson, Maybe I say maybe with Hawkinson. And is that it? Are you still like, can you still root for not root for, do you still think Amon Ross and Brown is someone to stash or have you seen enough from this team to know this is not the year? A volume is always going to be the issue with anyone on this team. Um, like they were actually close enough in this game where they were able to maintain a little bit of balance. But I mean, in games where they're going to get blown out, then any pass receiver, whether it be like DeAndre Swift acting as a receiving back, uh, or anyone else on the perimeter is going to get a lot of run. Uh, like I said, in this game, they didn't see a lot. I, I still like him on Arsene Brown. I love his talent. I've liked him coming out of USC. I've said since he was a freshman, he was the most talented player in his entire family. Uh, that includes Equinemius when he was playing for the – or plays for the Green Bay Packers. Um, I'm not going after anyone else. Uh, like I said, you've got Hawkinson. You've got DeAndre Swift. Uh, if Jamal Williams is out there, he's an intriguing flex play just based off volume. Because uh, he was seeing quite a bit around them, but I mean, when you have DeAndre Swift fully healthy, you just give the ball DeAndre Swift. Like, don't make life harder than it has to be. Right. If I, I wonder if Jamal Williams were still healthy, if if they could have formed a a good enough tandem to keep keep drives going. I mean, it just yeah. seems like it it's it is uh, uh, it is tough for a team like the Lions when they've got a quarterback like Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can't speak to Goff at this point. I'm, I'm very confused by everything that's happened uh, with his career over the last three years. Um, but this is, it was one of those cases where I think preseason, he was the 31st or 32nd ranked fantasy quarterback. And I remember writing my, uh, my rundown on my blog on, uh, on the lions. And I, I, I was just like, can, do we really think that Goff is going to be the worst fantasy quarterback. And, you know, he and Ben Roethlisberger on a, on a per game basis for, for every week starters have been the worst. And it's just, it has been tough to see uh, that kind of descent. Um, hopefully the Lions figure something out. Uh, finally, Dallas Goddard head injury. Um, uh, I will give you credit. I, I forgot if it was you or, or, or cats, one of our writers. Um, we don't have a herd of cats, a guy named Jason Katz, but Tyree Jackson, um, mm-hmm. When Zach Ertz left, Tyree Jackson becomes the uh, kind of tight end of the future in waiting. Uh, if Goddard misses time, this is this is a, a challenging passing attack, to say the least. I mean, Jalen Hurts, I looked this up earlier today. Jalen Hurts, uh, he's the number two fantasy QB this year, but his completion percentage is not even in the top 20 among 
uh, 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 he's the, it's the worst of all the top 20 fantasy quarterbacks. And worse than that, it's even worse than all of last year's top 20 fantasy quarterbacks. So this is a, this is a one dimensional passing game. It's Devonte Smith or bust. And my question is, is there any hope that someone like a Tyree Jackson could bring value or does everyone just stay away and it's Devonta Smith, Jalen Hurts, and we'll see what happens when Miles Sanders returns. There's absolutely hope, but it's a long shot. Um, the only reason we like Tyree Jackson is because the size and athleticism he brings. Like he's a quarterback who was then converted to wide receiver, who's now been converted to tight end. Six seven two fifty. It's he just brings that athleticism. We we watch the NFL going towards more and more. It seems like every single season. Um, he's definitely not Dallas Goddard. Um, he's not Zach Ertz. I mean, it's just a, it's a dart throw and you say, hey, let's see what the hell happens. It's one of those Like you say, we don't have a lot of other options in Philadelphia. Quez Watkins has done okay at times. Um, I'm still waiting on Jalen Rager to do something, uh, which is just uh, annoying. Uh, but yeah, right now it's pretty much just Devonta Smith or bust. We'll see what happens when Miles Sanders comes back. Um, watch Nick Serrani decide he doesn't want to run the ball anymore when they right. bring him back. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's in terms of Tyree Jackson, if you're in a deeper league, you want to stash him fine. Um, but it's very much a wait and see approach. Cause once Dallas Goddard comes back in Jackson loses all fantasy upside at that point. Yeah. Good. Um, well, it, yeah, f- there've been a lot of frustrating teams to watch from a fantasy perspective because, yeah. um, I don't remember this many teams having so few fantasy options. Um, usually you, even, even with the teams that are tough, you get three guys in a given week that you go, I can, yeah. I can roll the dice on one of these three. There's some teams that just have one guy, uh, that you can hang your hat on or two guys. And that's, uh, it's, it is, it makes it tough for fantasy managers who are then looking around and saying, do I trust, for example, Michael Gallup or Dalton Schultz in Dallas, even though they might be the sixth option on offense for the fifth option on offense, that still in these cases is probably better than being the second option in Detroit some weeks. And that's, it's, it's a, uh, a sad commentary, but it's true. Um, Tommy, thanks as always for being here. Thank you all for listening and being here with us today. I'm again, BJ Riddell is Tommy Garrett, pro football network. You can find us on the website, profootballnetwork.com and on the fantasy page. You can get our newsletter, our free newsletter. You can listen to our free podcast. You can read our free tweets and everything else is free. We enjoyed talking with you. We'll see you next time.